FC13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. It's come and gone, ball boys and girls. And while Canada might be out, the rest of the countries are still in full swing. It might not be going the way our predictions said, but we're not too far off with at least one team each. So buckle up as we explore the quarter and semifinals. And we're back. Thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the FC 13 podcast. I'm your host, Andre. I'm joined by the lovely boys. We're back in full swing, regular schedule programming. Boys, how we doing? It's like we're never going. It's like we are never, never gone. I've learned something this past, uh, during this World Cup. Um, It's not only does it suck having one team eliminated, it sucks double hard to have two teams eliminated. Yep, that's why you just got to keep, just collect the teams. So that way when they start really just, all right, there's my third. Oh, there's my fourth. I have never had a league where I support more than one team. And this is my first time literally having two teams in one tournament. Um, I, I typically don't like people who actually do that. But uh, this is my first time ever doing it. And uh, the wagon sucks. It, it's it's the problem when you when you do it, but you don't have, like, two teams. You don't pick two teams who win all the time. You know, you have one team where you're like, all right, we're going out for sure. And one of them like... Okay, no, we're gonna go out, but like when? And then they got they had so much promise, and it goes out. It's like, oh great, just kick me in the teeth twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're just doubling your heartache there, aren't yeah. you? You really are. Just fucking adding her up there. Well, I mean, you could have been like, you know, me and and Paul here, where you just never had a team in the tournament, and you effectively just had to pick a team that has some relation to you and run with it, because like, <laughs> just had to be Canada. <laughs> no, I, this is the first time Canada's in, so most of the time it's like, woo, who am I? Who am I cheering for now? But Paul, I can't remember if we've asked you before. Do you typically have a team when it's not? Scott? I always try to guess who I think's going right, to win right. beforehand, and I've been fairly good at it. So 2010, the Netherlands, they got close, but I got it right in 2014, 2018 with Germany and um, France. And um, this year, I've kind of said Brazil, which, um, Andre, there's your, um, there's your transition. Go on with that. <laughs> Which, which is fair because he did he did say Brazil and we do have a nice full prediction podcast in yellow. full 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 prediction podcast where we go through everything we think is going to happen in this World Cup. So kicking us off, let's see what happened in this World Cup with Brazil and Croatia. It wasn't it wasn't what Paul said. No, they were out. They <laughs> lost two penalties, one one against Croatia, four two was the final penalty score. It always feels like a big deal when Brazil go out of a World Cup, doesn't it? It's like it's monument. It's like monument, and this team's knocked out Brazil, but like it keeps happening. Yeah, Brazil <laughs> haven't won since two thousand two, so that's like twenty years. Yeah, so. yeah. I it it feels almost like we need to kind of we're, we're scared to have a conversation about what Brazil are now. They they go into every World Cup as favourites, and they're kind of like the darlings of the world. But um, particularly against European teams, like they they struggle. Mm-hmm. I mean, most, to be fair, most teams do. <laughs> I think yeah. though South America is a very good continent when it comes to the, the sports, I still think Europe's number one. It's the uh, teams are losing to the matter. It's um like all, like it's hard to talk about Croatia because I want I don't want to do them any disrespect. Like two semifinals in a row, they've got one of the best players in the world. They've been even like going back, they've got a little bit of World Cup pedigree from 1998 getting to the semi-final there too. They've got to three semi-finals and they're about the same age as me as a country. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And um, But like, 
we all thought Brazil were going to win this, right? Like oh, yeah. beforehand, like nobody really gave Croatia a chance. Well, I, I, and, uh, I, Mr. Andre, I definitely did not want Brazil winning, or you know, have them have. <laughs> it's them. not about what you want, though. It's about what you thought. But I didn't. Ha- I didn't think they were going to win either. To be to be totally honest, um, I genuinely, genuinely had England and Argentina in the final. But I, yeah, but you thought Brazil would beat Croatia and lose in the semis, no? I thought they would lose to in the third place game to Japan. Yeah, so you had Brazil in the semis, so, so therefore you had Brazil beating Croatia. I, I had them. Well, I didn't even have them playing Croatia. I had everything going different. He's not, but it's still it was still a scenario. Wrong, it still was a scenario where it's just you you kept everyone slept on Croatia, but you know I did say again they were the runners up last World Cup, so you couldn't really oh, sleep yeah. on them that much. Like we knew they're powerful. It's just. They always have that way of being like underappreciated, underappreciated, mm-hmm. and and well, I, think I think it's that's just the you issue. Look, I think you look at the country that they are. Like Paul said, they're a young country and they're not exactly a very populated one. Like, what's the population of Croatia? Is it three million? It's smaller than Scotland, depressingly enough. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a small population. And full of respect for Croatia. I mean, Croatia took England out of the last World Cup. They t- helped take Canada out of this World Cup, but I. I don't have any hate for them. Uh, I think you always respect the team who's able to take out teams like Brazil and England. Um, even though they lost to France at the last World Cup, they put up a decent fight with a 4-2 loss. Um, I I think the, the what I'm taking from this, though, and I, I think people tell, say, shake your head, Michael, at this, but this, to me, shows great um, ambition for Canada's future. I think Croatia, you look at their league, look at the Croatian uh, Premier League. <clears throat> Sorry. They... It's a small league, only ten teams. They somebody's doorbell just rang. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, don't worry, we've got a special guest. That's yeah. just kidding. <laughs> um, Who's yeah, getting no, a fucking look, delivery now? <laughs> you look at um, uh, Croatia's Premier League. It's a small league with only ten teams, and you look at Croatia's players. How many players play in that league? I think there's two or three that currently play in the league. Not many. It's two or three, but look at um, how many players on their team came from that league. I think like 90% of them probably had some time in that league. I think that's very good to look at the CPL. I'm not, I'm not saying the CPL is on Croatia's level. I'm saying in the future, once it grows, if we could get a good chunk of Canadian players from the CPL to Europe on the Canadian team, we're going to see a whole different team. And honestly, I'd like to see Croatia succeed because it gives me hope for Canada one day. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. You're you're entirely not wrong because their league, while they have better competition in the sense of maybe UEFA, like the Champions yeah. League and all that, like that's kind yeah. of where I think they maybe get a bit bit more of an advantage. They are still young. Their their population isn't you know massive, which shows that you can do it. And Canada has the leg up in that we were really big on immigration, and I find that that's where you're right. I think I think we have so much there for us to pull a Croatia and start producing the talent that they do. Cause you can't deny it. You're right. The semis again and again, back to back. And they look like legitimate threats to get to the final. Like yeah, the, I'd say a big part of Croatia as well as belief. Like, um, like I said, the, the mental belief they must have in that team there to go against Brazil. I'm like, They've gone behind in every knockout game in the World Cup since 2018. I've looked it up. You can double check me on that. <laughs> but um, they've gone behind in every game, and they've advanced. I mean, they didn't win the final, but like in every other game, they've gone behind. They've made it. They've made it through. Mm-hmm. And every single time they've gone to extra time, 
and more often than not, penalty kicks, like, the absolute mental fortitude, fortitude they have, mm-hmm. it's insane. Like, I'm wondering if Croatia are starting to get that sort of maybe that fear factor that Germany has when teams come against them, where you think, oh, crap, we have to win this before it goes to penalties because this team are a machine. Like, their goalkeeper have been incredible at them. Mm-hmm. Um, J- Joseph Juranovic, who plays for Celtic, I can talk a little bit about him. Like, he is usually the penalty taker for Celtic, and he's really good at them. He's not even had to take a penalty yet for Croatia so far in this shootout, which, like, to my point is, like, like just how good are these guys at shootouts? Yeah, There's a real intimidation factor, I think, about them now when it comes to this, and that that comes from belief. Like, you look at, like, Brazil... I don't know if Brazil thought they were going to win that shootout. I think you can tell when you look at some of the run-ups and expressions on their face, and, like, but Croatia, you had no doubt about that. I'm not really... Like, a lot of people are arguing about whether Neymar should have took the first penalty or not. I don't really... I'm not really sure if it matters. I feel like it's a damn if you do, damn if you don't situation, but like I think ultimately Brazil were never going to win that shootout, especially given the manner of how Croatia equalised right to the death. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. They went into the pens with 100% of the... Um, the um, Holy shit. Not the enthusiasm, but you know what I'm talking about. The, um, <laughs> the juice. They, they, momentum. The momentum. Yes, yeah. thank you. Momentum. The juice. They went into the juice. <laughs> they went into the pens with all the momentum after that late equaliser. I was watching at work, and um, a guy went into the lunch room, whatever, and he was following the game on his uh, phone, and he came down, and he knew I was watching it, and he's like, is it done yet? When Brazil had the lead, I'm like, no, Croatia literally just tied it up. He's like, fuck off. <laughs> like, he just lost. I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> no one watch. could believe it, I don't I know, think. exactly. <laughs> one um, shot on target. <laughs> they had the momentum going into pens, and the guy said to me, he goes, who do you think is going to win? I'm like, Croatia's winning this now. Brazil had to win in the time given because Croatia yeah. with that momentum I think the a big question is I'm not saying I don't want to know what the team is without Modric but I like to see I love to see how the team really rallies around him and you can tell how good of a leader he is I'm not saying he's the reason they're doing good I'm not saying he, they'd be shit without him but he's a true leader and he's proven that back to back World Cups can I ask you guys a question quickly of course so, um, oh, thank you. <laughs> I seen someone on Twitter say the other day something like, there's no doubt in my mind anymore, Modric is as good as um, Iniesta or Xavi. And it got me thinking, like, if you were to tell me, like, your opinion was you thought Modric was better than Xavi or Iniesta, I wouldn't disagree with you. I don't know if I'd say better, I, but he's definitely up there. He's in the conversation. I, I, yeah, I think... It, they've, had, they've had different careers in the way they've been built. I think people... I'm not gonna. I'm not saying any or Xavi or bad. Far from. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I think in the way they were run Barcelona, I guess romanticized a little bit how they came for the youth academy and they played all the beautiful football and stuff. Whereas Modric's background was a bit different. You know, pop the Galacticos at Real Madrid. Like I don't think he's spoken enough about it in the same level as those two are. But um, I I very much think like alongside those two, he's been the best midfielder I've ever seen. Like in the last decade or so, well, last decade and a half. Well, really. he's been top-notch. He's got the Ballon d'Or, and mm-hmm. that seemed like it surprised everyone, and it was... Yeah, everyone keeps, seem, keeps forgetting yeah, that. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of an upset because it was just, everyone was like, well, it didn't go to Ronaldo or Messi. Like, that was the only thought in their head. But that was the year when everyone thought Lewandowski should have won it, no? No, that, was, that, that was, was the one they cancelled the Ballon d'Or. Oh, right, <laughs> yeah, sorry, yes. Yeah, yes. and then it should have, and, and in fairness, it, it should have, but, you know, they cancelled it, and such as, <laughs> such as unfortunately is life. But it was, yeah, but you know, in terms of the penalties, my thing is this whole World Cup's been real fucky with penalties. 
You know, like with with Japan shitting the bed, which was saddening for me, but then Spain just somehow being worse. (laughs) You know, like it's just a scenario where it's like, what in the fuck is going on with penalties? Or I'm wondering, and this is a legitimate thing. Hear me out here. Because the game against England, there was another deflated ball. I'm wondering if, you know, like the 2010, everyone hated that fucking ball. I'm wondering if it's another scenario. Like for pens, it is just a nightmare to hit. Maybe. I mean... I mean, I think a player will have said something by now, but I mean, I could be wrong. We've had, like, but we've had three f- full deflated balls on a World Cup stage so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I Michael, yeah, I feel like someone would have mentioned it by now. Plus, we've, we've seen enough penalties being scored that I yeah. don't necessarily think it's a problem as such. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe maybe someone's done a Tom Brady with the balls. We'll find out. <laughs> well, I, I, sticking with Pence, though, I want to... Andre, you can finish your thought afterwards, but I wanted to go back to what Paul said about Neymar. I don't think he should have took it first. He should have absolutely took the fourth one. Oh, 100%. I, I feel like the first penalty is your insurance penalty. Like, you can you can afford to miss the first penalty, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but the, the problem with like, that... If you're going to... So, like, the, to, I, want my, I always want my best penalty taker, like you're saying, Michael, either third, fourth, or fifth, where you get to, like, the clutch penalties, like, mm-hmm. the decisive ones. To me, it was more... That kick came down to you guys go home or you extend the shootout. And I don't know, because you miss the first one, you miss the first one, whatever. You have four other kicks, and the other team still has four or five. Mm-hmm. But when it comes down to the one kick, this one kick to determine the rest of your fucking future in this World Cup, and Neymar doesn't step up, my, my fucking jaw hit the floor. And I said to the guy watching with me, I said, if, if he misses this right now, before he even took the shots, I said, if he misses, everyone's going to be asking, where the fuck was Neymar? Uh, and I have two busy texting me sister love emojis. <laughs> I knew that was coming from you at some point. Um, I'm actually happy. I'm actually happy because I had Brazil winning the World Cup. I'm happy I'm wrong, and I'm happy Neymar does not have this trophy because I am not a Neymar fan. Um, call me crazy, but I've always thought he's a bit overrated. Um, I don't. I don't think you'll hear that here in this podcast. So. Well, I know I won't hear it here, but people. People listening in the comment like, section, go ahead and just yeah, yeah. absolutely let us have um, it. I, I, don't I, feel th- I don't think Mr. he's Michael a bad player. I, I don't think he's a bad player. I just think he's a tad overrated. And I think he's skillful. Like we saw in the Brazil goal. That was beautifully done. But at the I same think time, he'll go on to become synonymous probably with this like period of failure in Brazilian football, I think, just because oh, he's yeah. the poster child and he was the one who's supposed to bring the glory back home. He's supposed to be the one who like leads his yeah. team to the World Cup and he's yeah. had like three attempts and hasn't really done it, hasn't been able to do it. And it's not necessarily his fault. Well, he's not, he's done his part. Like, you know, like, if he, if Croatia didn't score that equalizer, that would have gone down as, like, Neymar's iconic moment for Brazil, like, taking them to the semi final. Yeah, 100%. But, um, thank, but, um, that said, thankfully, like, that, <laughs> that didn't happen. But the last it didn't happen. And unfortunately, the, mask is falling the love off. letters are not going to be flowing home the same. But, kind of talking to love letters, we have a, l- what a what an African love letter. What a love letter to send home to Africa because we have Morocco and Portugal, a big matchup that, again, everyone just assumed was going to be a clear, cut, and dry result. It wasn't 1-0. Morocco goes through. I'm sorry, what? Who, who assumed that? Uh, I'm pretty sure everybody except for Michael. Um, <laughs> Michael, you have the floor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, and I, I messaged you guys right after the win. 
I think that was the boldest prediction in any sports I ever made, and I'm pissed I did not put money on it. Now, to be fair to my prediction, Andre, you go clip it. I have the timestamp if you want it. <laughs> um, I did say no, in the I'm podcast, good. I'm good. my bold prediction is an African team will make the semis. But if you go earlier in the podcast, you will know that I said it would be Senegal. I was you sure the African team would do well. But I did get the African team prediction, and I'm praying that they get to the finals. That'd be fucking phenomenal. And Paul, it goes back to your point a couple podcasts ago, how much home field does feel. Like, it, it's massive. So we were both right in a way, because I was talking <laughs> about home field, but for Saudi Arabia. But you know what, I'll take it. Well, exactly. And also, on, honestly, Paul, you've been up on Croatia. I've been up on Morocco since group. You had Croatia coming out of group. I think you had Belgium with them. Or Canada. Uh, I, I had Belgium, but okay. can we clip that and out? I, we I all had Belgium. had Belgium. We all had Belgium. I think everyone I, had Belgium coming out of that group. And I had Belgium and Morocco. Um, so I'm going to be proud about Morocco. You can be proud about Croatia because they're both in the semis. Thanks. Yep, it's the small victories. We can tell I, We can tell who's got a team currently in the standings right now and who does not. Um, but it's. It, I did admittedly think this, like, Portugal were going to win this one like um, because the problem with Spain is they can pass you to death and we talked about this before they can pass you to death but they're not really clinical and outside of that game against Costa Rica where I guess everything just fell right for them and that's proven to be the case in this World Cup mm-hmm. but I thought with Portugal they've got a lot more direct players that, you know okay maybe Ramos was a fla- could be a flash in the pan we don't know but like when you get form in a World Cup you have form in a World Cup he's going into this having scored a hat trick you've got Whatever you think of at this point, you have like one of the best players of all time sitting on the bench to use at your disposal. You have Bruno Fernandes there, João Felix, um, Bernardo Silva as well. There's a lot of players in that Portugal team with much more of an attacking threat than Spain possessed. Mm-hmm. So, like, I admittedly thought, like, all right, Portugal's going to have this. I remember watching the end of Morocco and Spain. I think the Moroccan captain at one point was basically just no longer able to run he was like what he was like when you play fifa and like the guys <laughs> injury just kind of like do not look at hobble he was yeah. at that point but um yeah, i'm gonna hold my hands up and say like you know morocco proved me wrong again and i'm more than happy to get proven wrong by this team was as much as everybody else is and it was great yeah. to watch though because you you want to root for them because again it's the underdog and i i have i hold nothing against them from the canada side because we were already out but it was a scenario where like I always want underdogs to do better. And seeing Ronaldo cry was great. Um, that was just joyful for me. To, so, to add to that point as well, it's almost like a lot of people, like if you get eliminated by a team, they're like, oh, fuck this team. I want them gone. I'm like, but if you lose, don't you want to lose to the best? So if they go on to win the trophy, doesn't that make you feel like, you know what, at least we lost to the team who's going to win the whole fucking thing? It's you know? a scenario where like... like nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. like it, you, you have justification there, but at the same time, you kind of just don't want... Like, he's seeing Germany win again, uh, like, seeing Brazil win, it's like, eh. But if someone like Morocco has the chance to lift the trophy, it's like, holy fuck, this is super cool. Yeah, it would be. I mean... The way Morocco won it as well, it was like, I feel like I was watching, like, a World War II battle or something by then. All those, all those poor players going down injured, the captain got stretched off, I think, I think Zayek at one point looks if he was coming off, and then... Yeah, they went down to, if you include the red card, I think they went down to 10 men like three times in this game. <laughs> yeah. Just from like players going off and having to get evaluated. But like, they it like, didn't make a difference. come off at one point, like get all got subbed off like, as well, yeah. Yeah, and like, they kept losing key players, that was yeah. it. Like, um, I'm a bit worried about them against France in that effect, but like, 
they've already made history. They've broken through that glass ceiling for mm-hmm. Africa. And mm-hmm. What a goal to do it, eh? Like, and <laughs> that guy could jump like Michael Jordan in Space Jam or something. <laughs> but that was ridiculous. <laughs> To be fair, it was really bad. Right? where my head was basically right now. <laughs> it was a great jump, but it was really bad mm-hmm. read from that goalie. Holy shit. Terrible goalkeeping. Terrible. Absolutely. Like, this is, considering there's a Portugal like defender yeah. right next to um, Ennisari as well, like, there's no need for that yeah. at all. But you know what? Maybe it's just he's an FC narrative fan, that's what it yeah. was. Because <laughs> you know if he gets his head to that, it's not going in if the goalie's in a proper spot, right? Like, that's not. Yeah, a... there's no way he's going to be able to get enough, like, power on exactly. that. Exactly. So you have to think he just steps back a foot. He's making that save. But he makes a jump, misses it, and so we'd be told. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Paul, you and me were talking during the game, and you're like, you got to think Portugal's going to score here. The pressure that it's... they put, the talent that came on, like, Ronaldo came on later on. And I know, Paul, you don't like, you think Portugal's a better team without Ronaldo. But if you're losing, Ronaldo's coming on the field. I mean, you have no choice because exactly. uh, you had no choice at that point. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I actually thought you could have done a lot better of that one sort of like that time the ball sort of rolled to him. It's kind of outside the box, and he gets a shot straight to Bono. I thought he could have maybe the Ronaldo of like um, five years ago or so would have got enough power to lift that into the top corner. Mm-hmm. But like you still, if you had anyone in that chance, that was it. That header towards the end as well. Like it was unfortunate for Portugal. It was Pepe there. Yeah, that yeah. one where it's like he has a clear mm-hmm. goal and puts it wide. Yeah. If that was Ronaldo, like. Better that was went in, yeah, and, like, uh, and the, the way the game was going, I think by the time extra time would have ended, the Rockin' players would have been like crawling Scott Sterling <laughs> style towards the end. Which would be crazier, and well, maybe this was for the best as well, because you never know how teams adjust to certain goals. But Morocco had a chance at the beginning of the second half that just missed, and then at the end of the half as well, they almost got like one or two more as well. That's the crazy thing, like, yeah. They, like, they could had, have had clear, a two or three more chances. Yeah. But it's the, the, the defense has been unreal. It's yeah. the, it's the it's just the tale of what it is. I mean, you know what? One mistake from Portugal, they were chasing the game, and I think that just didn't play to their style. Morocco was able to sort of upset because you look at the just the stats. Like they, Morocco only had twenty six percent possession. Like oh, yeah. that is yeah. that's insane. That's an insane amount. And even the passes, like there were over four hundred more passes by Portugal. And it just showed like they were able to withstand the pressure, but that's that's mm. the beauty about going up early in that regard when it's a do or die. Especially with that crowd behind them as well, like yeah, you just swore this World Cup was in Morocco. Morocco's tried to get the World Cup a couple times in twenty ten and twenty twenty six, and if anything, I hope out of this World Cup, you know, like now that the country's on the map, if they do try and get a World Cup again, you know, I think I want to see it. I think they have I would a good love chance to see a World Cup in Morocco. I think they get. I think they're having a good chance at twenty twenty six, from what I read. They have one of the highest bids. Yeah. Um, it came down to between them and the North American bids. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, not 2026. The, the one out of 2030, I think they're looking good for it. Yeah. I think they went back in for it. Because um, I was reading on I, I actually looked it up the other day, and uh, it looks like they're still in the run, and it looks like they're one of the favorites to get 2030, which I, and I, I agree with. I mean, they've done a good job outside of their own country, so why not? Uh, <clears throat> one more point about this game. Uh, Morocco still has only landed one goal. And... Uh, it may have been an own goal, but it was counted as a goal. Yeah. So, yeah. Can I talk about it for a second? Like, yep. why, why is that retreat acting as if that doesn't count? Uh, you know <laughs> what? I don't, I don't understand it, though. It's because they, they're reporting it as no one is literally... No one on the other team has scored on them. They're not saying they have not been scored on. 
no one on the other it's team has scored. Like, oh, they've, they've only conceded one goal, and it was an own goal, as, I, as if that isn't a goal. No, but I, th- I think it's important to point out, though, because that's exciting for Morocco. That is very exciting. Well, well Canada created the goal. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to be fair, that's not going so you heard in. it here first. Morocco might be it. in the semis, but Canada's the better team, so we're just saying. Also, the goalkeeper's Canadian, yeah. so, you know, go, exactly. go Canada, go Morocco. He, he did that for us, and he's having a hell of a tournament. Oh, fuck, Holy hell, he's fucking killing us. Oh, my God. I'm it, loving this it guy. It throws me off, though, hearing Bono, obviously, being a TFC fan because I'm like that's not him that's 100% not not him I'm very I'm very positive the other one's not African when I heard his name I'm like wait what that's him and I googled I'm like oh no never mind yeah right I I, like I knew I knew for a fact and I just heard Bono I was like oh I heard that wrong and Bono made a save did he did he really I don't I don't think he did and then I was like oh no there are more people who give me name Bono that's fair all right Okay. I'll give by it. the way, you guys weren't the only one to text me saying, "I bet you wish you put money on that." I'm like, I had a couple people. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Oh well. Oh, I, I again. This is it's why it's one of the scenarios. You know what? If my grandmother wheels should be a bike, there's so many times I could have been like, oh, I could have, because holy shit, yep. Japan beating Germany, that was insane. Um, you know, Saudi Argentina, Saudi, yeah, like literally the the just the actual like betting on that one, the the sort of rates you would have got like the return would have been insane but i want to meet one person who actually does put these stupid bets like i want i, I mean i do I, mean, I do but for some reason this world cup you're i probably have looking at yeah I, like I, it's my thing i don't know why this world cup i was like nah fuck it i'm gonna skip it normally i'm the one who does the stupid bets for a dollar you know the problem is is usually it's because they win a shitload of money but then they lose on another stupid bet man I, I only put a dollar, so most of what I got was like 50 bucks back, but, you know. But speaking of, of putting on a dollar, make sure to, I don't know how that transition works, but st- money, that's what it is, money. Make sure to stick around so we can get some money. They're going to go to a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the other two of the quarters, and then we have the semis coming up, so don't go anywhere. Cross won't blow it all in bed, shall we? <laughs> FC 13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino. They offer in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and the MLB. Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. And the Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds are hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to you so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on live chat. So go to bet99.com and make an account to get started. Remember to use our code 13thmansports1, but please gamble responsibly. 19 plus, play responsibly. Available to persons in Ontario only. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operation agreement with iGambling Ontario. If you have any questions or concerns about your gambling, or the gambling of someone close to you, please contact Connex Ontario 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. And now, back to the show. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for sticking around. Hope you enjoyed the ad break. We all did. We all did. But kind of jumping into it, we are still on the quarters. And it's been super exciting, uh, very fun. Morocco, obviously, he's now one of our kind of podcast favorites just based on what they did. Croatia, not so much for me, but you know what? We all got to give the respect. But jumping on jumping on to the, uh, the heavyweights, so to speak, Argentina, Netherlands. 
He did still have to go to penalties. 2-2 was the final score, but 4-3 was the final penalty shootout. That game was the epitome of pure stress from myself, but also because going 2-0 up and then tying that up so late on, especially when the, the second goal comes from the Netherlands in the 101st minute. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> Uh, big Louis Van Hal as well. Um, we took one look at total football and thought, uh, fuck that. I'm putting uh, the two tallest guys in the pitch up in the box. You know, he's got to lump balls into them. Looks to this guy, looks to Johan Cruyff and goes, how am I doing, boss? And Johan Cruyff, he can't even watch at this point. <laughs> total football's dead, but it takes its long live Van Hal ball. <laughs> uh, that Netherlands goal will go down as one of my favourite all-time World Cup goals. It was so good. Um, it's not just because they scored on Argentina, because that... Honestly, I didn't know. I didn't think Argentina was going to win. Um, just the, the way they did it, everyone was expecting that kick. Not one person was expecting that play. I I like, I hate ugh. how they don't do that more often. I know, it's right? It's so fucking effective. And the fact that you have people yeah, everyone there, does it on FIFA, I'm sure. Everyone does it on FIFA, absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, but when you know, it when it happened, fucking free kick. When it, well, and it's so risky, especially at the end. You yeah. know, like when you when you know that's your last kick of the cat, like you just. All right, well, I'm just going to hoof it and hope I can get it on target above the wall and the keeper's not going to save it. Fuck it. Pass it. I don't understand why that's not more of a thing. As soon as he passed it, I was like, fuck. That's going in. As soon as I saw it pass forwards, I was like, that's going in. It's not like he powered it either. Like, it was a struggle to get that shot in. Yeah, it was a scuff. There was still loads yeah. to do there. That's it. Outmuscle the Argentina player, obviously. Um, Martin. Mar- Martinez, that's yeah. the Argentina goalkeeper, right? He's coming down to close him down. Like, yeah. like everyone's in the box. It was still somewhat of a mini miracle that um, Netherlands pulled that off. I mean, oh, for nothing as it turns out, but like, it was pretty impressive the way they're able to rally at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally, like from a defensive standpoint, Argentina's a bit dicey. We saw that when when the Netherlands got their first goal, they sat back, kind of parked the bus a little bit. I just gave them so much time to just start launching balls into the box. And when you have such a big team like Netherlands, that's not something you can, it's not a smart play. I, I, I just don't think, I don't think when, you know, your, your average team heights like five foot five. And then you have Van Dyke, who's seven feet in, in my, you know, head, um, having them all just crowd the box there. That's it's such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. But thankfully they were pulling off some sort of defense. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, it came so out of nowhere. I remember, like, when I went to 2-0, like, I had to go to work. My work kind of starts off about the time these games end. The FIFA, you know, added on a normal amount of time in games. Yeah, so, it's crazy <laughs> this year, right? Oh, uh, like, thanks, FIFA. I keep missing the end of games now. For work. <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that, guys. But, um, so it goes to 2, goes to two nil, And Argentina were coasting it, I thought. I thought they were, like, s- super easy. They seem to be on top completely. So I head out to work, see it's 2-1 and go, oh, whatever, I mean, Argentina still got this, don't they? And sure enough, I hear it's two each, and like, you know, like, what the heck? What? what? <laughs> it wasn't until afterwards that I actually seen the, I actually seen the, seen the goals that came from just football, like you were saying. Uh-huh. Uh, and then again, the extra time starts off, and it's more of the same from Argentina. Like, I, how Argentina didn't score an extra time, I think they ended up hitting the woodwork. They certainly made the goalkeeper work a lot. I don't really think the Netherlands offered all that much in extra time. It would have been, I mean, we've seen it with Brazil, obviously, like how they went out to creation those circumstances, but like it would have been utterly heartbreaking as well for Argentina, that two-goal lead, and it was just for like 
10 minutes for 10 minutes of that game the Netherlands were on top and that's what it would have cost them but yeah. this, this team's got something about this team's got something about them South American teams they're volatile as hell aren't they <laughs> and um, Argentina particularly like you, I've always found them a team like you just at any moment like on a snap <laughs> kind of like um, you know at that point where like the Argentina player just boosts the ball into the Norwegian technically yeah. and it all kicks off from there I, I, that's the type of thing that in the past Argentine teams just completely lose a rag, lose a curl, someone gets sent off and they all go home in tears. Uh-huh. But, like, this seems different, you know? And even at the end, you see them, like, shoes on the other foot in that sort of sense. They're, like, celebrating in the Dutch players' faces. <laughs> There's this wonderful picture of them going, like, yeah! Yeah. Right into the Dutch player's faces. Oh, hang it in the loof. Hang it in the loof. They've just, they've, the shithousing <laughs> is coming, I think, very strong, because you're right, it's very, very big in Argentina. Emmy Martinez is not helping at all. He is he is king shit. Even Messi. And that's what fucking that's what sort of set it for me. I was like, there's got to be something more here. Because when Messi starts being an absolute shithousery, because normally he just gets fouled, gets up, has no difference in his facial expression whatsoever for all ninety minutes, and then goes home. Like there's nothing. It just looks like a deadpan robot that someone stitched on the skin, and there's no actual expression. But this one was full. Full of shithousery, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think the, a big story, a uh, big talking point of this game was the officiating. Um, I argue, I will arguably say that officiating has been a talk of this whole tournament, and I, I think people will bitch about refereeing no matter what sport you're in, mm-hmm. no matter what tournament you're in. People are going to complain, but I think it, I, I think it goes levels when it goes more than just the fans. When players mention it, when managers, uh. When media definitely, because media, I feel like try to benefit the refs as much as they can. But if the media is going to say stuff, I think it's, I think it's a different story. And trust me, I am not one of those guys. When my team loses, I'm like, I'm like, oh, the ref fucked us because I do not believe a ref fucks you out of a game. No way in hell. The only way a ref will fuck you out of a game is if they give a goal that was never crossed the line. Because I truly believe it's your job to stop a ball regardless of because in any sport you play, the nature of the ref is to make calls, bad calls or miss calls. That's the nature of the sport, nature of the ref. And it's your team's job to overcome that, to stop a ball, and score a goal. So if you miss a call, you can't just blame the ref. You have to look at what what else did you do wrong, right? So for players, for anyone to say, a ref fucked you out of a game, it's bullshit. And I, this is coming from someone who, uh, an England fan, where England officiating wasn't on their side, I don't think. And I, 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 England fans can't say it because we're biased, but we'll get into that game later on. Uh, but <laughs> the, the Netherlands-Argentina game, the roughing, he did not have that game under control. Uh, Paul, you, you touched on it at the sideline when Van Dijk ended up throwing an Argentina player to the floor. And then at the pens, they were keep going back and forth. They would cross each other. I've never seen They would cross each other and they were talking and getting in each other's faces as they were lining up to take the kicks. Yeah. Fuck. And then after Argentina won, they were like in the face saying, basically, fuck you guys. I, I, I um, want to see more Argentina-Netherlands so games. Like, just give me a World Cup of that, man. <laughs> you know what? Uh, two, fuck the two six, penalties uh, is what they team for oh, uh, oh, yeah. Copa. Bring it in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I do want to touch on the officiating in this game specifically because um, I think this is where it's a highlight. And I think it's been, a, again, a highlight of this yeah. tournament where people are talking about it. Um, but this game, Andre, you, you definitely watched this game more in depth than me and Paul did. What were you thinking on the, uh, with the officiating? It was just in, it looked like he was trying to keep it under control. And then when that ball was kicked at the sort of area there, the little dugout, 
it all hell went loose. He he lost all control. Like he had not he wasn't stopping people. He was given yellows that just didn't make any sense. You know, like Argentina got a yellow and they were setting up for a free kick. Literally just Argentina player walked up. No pushing, shoving. It was just messy there. And the other player walked up, gave a yellow, and, but didn't give one for the foul. So it was just like it didn't there didn't seem it to was be weird. It, yeah, like it, it seemed almost like he he was getting the ref was getting emotional. So he was then I starting to give out yellows based on like, oh, okay, well, I think you're offending me. Now I'm going to, you know, give you fouls in that regard. I was going to say, I wouldn't rule out some of those yellow cards being for dissent. Like referees are supposed to give yeah, yellow cards for dissent. Like I, I think I famously remember like Javier Mascherano, Argentinian, that's why I bring it up, got sent off when Liverpool were fouled <laughs> from mouth and mouth at the ref. So it can happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, the Barry team won. Um, like you said, Paul, Argentina mm-hmm. controlled the game. Netherlands tried to get back in it, and they did, but wasn't enough at the end of the day. And how many times have we seen someone miss the first kick of pens this year? It seems to happen more often than it's like not. Every pen, Martinez the first is. Misses. But- <laughs> again, again, Andre, you may be the expert on this, but Martinez strikes me as one of those keepers that you have confidence in when it comes to penalties. He, he's got a big, massive frame, and he seems to be able to get her in the goal. He no has problem. been, you know, seeing him for so long in Arsenal, um, seeing him for Argentina and getting that spot, and he has a really, really good way. And we all know, like mind games play a big part of it, but he's really good at getting in people's heads. He's fucking quick. At, like a true Argentine. Uh, yeah, and, and he's he's actually quite, quite quick. So that's where, yeah. like, he made three, it was three saves, I believe. Like At least two, yeah. Like, that's, for him, I know we've had a lot of misses, but, you know, it's not even, a, like, there's just full saves. He's, he's genuinely a really good keeper in that regard. I have full confidence in him for any pens. I did the last for the 2014 World Cup, same scenario. I had the same sort of confidence, and it's great to have it. Now, if for some reason he gets injured, our backup keeper, not a fucking chance. I have no confidence in it? that. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. I can't even remember right now. <laughs> that's my... Armani. Yeah. Who? The backup goalkeeper for Argentina. Armani. Yeah, what's his name? Oh. Armani. Armani, okay. <laughs> it's just the 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 quality isn't there in terms of, of having to take those pens and knowing them. And I, I just, I think Emmy Martinez is right now one of the best at them. Where's Tim Crow when you need them, by the way? <laughs> Every- Where's Tim Crow when Van Hal needs them the most? Everywhere and... In our darkest hour, he couldn't be found. Everywhere and nowhere. Speaking of a darkest hour, we're going to go on to the other heartbreak. England versus France. One, one for two. You know, France go through. Unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, it, my prediction then is now shot for the final. But we had... Two penalties for for England's to a chance to one buried it no problem Harry Kane second one not so much he had a he had a little bit of a boo boo with that one I will let Michael go full full tangent on this one but personally that was not a result I actually saw coming I, I genuinely genuinely thought the way England played that it was going to be totally different uh, they played a good game I feel overall. Um... It's upsetting to see them go, obviously, but I'm not too surprised. Um, I, I didn't think we'd beat France. I, I still think France is the best team in the world. And Mbappe, in my opinion, is the best current player in the world. Um, and they did a very good job shutting him down. Like, he didn't have a lot of opportunities. He had some, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Walker did a good job covering him. And again, I think England put up a decent de- uh, defensive performance. 
if we could go look at the first goal for um for France, and yes, there was a foul on Saka where you have to question why it wasn't called. But you have to look at what we did. Like I said, you can't blame a ref for losing the game because you still have your task in hand and you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look at what we did. And to me, it's more the second goal. The second goal is not a goal you want to let in. I, um, the ball comes over. Uh, uh, Giroud uh, was able to get his head to it. Maguire was out muscle. John Stones didn't even jump for it. So I like to see him try to get his head to it. You can look at the first goal as well. Pickford maybe should have had it. Um so, yeah, no, England had its issues, but we did good jobs on getting the ball into the box and creating opportunities. Um, there was a questionable foul on Kane outside the box. or it, Sorry, it's not a questionable foul. It was a foul. Yeah. The problem was, was it in the box or outside the box? I think it was just outside the box when the contact was made, but he fell in the box. Regardless, the ref didn't call it, and that was back-to-back calls on the same side of the field by the same linesman that wasn't called. Yeah. Uh, so you have to question like what what was going on in that sense. They did give one for Pakura Saka going down, which we scored on, and then there was the other set, the other pen that um came with the defender, but he fucking ran through Mason Mount's basically body which, checked them, like, which was in, like the fact that that took as long as it did. I think it was Kunde or Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez, yes. It was yes. just my insanity um, on that was that it had to even go to VAR. Like, oh, how, I couldn't believe it. How in the fuck? As for as, I know, like you can be rough. But you could mm-hmm. tell he wasn't even looking at the ball. I he was looking argument. right at the keeper and just bodies the guy. He, he looked at him, he saw Mount, and he said, I don't want the ball, I want you. And he took him out. <laughs> and I love this argument with the ref afterwards. And he's like, with shoulder, like, are you fucking brain dead? You thought that? No. Like, I the mean, ball was here. Like, the ball's about. coming in behind his head. His head is fucking looking yeah. at Mount, and he's like. He's not looking at the ball at all. I want that ass. Like, he was just go- <laughs> he was going for him. And he was going to take him to the ground one way or another. And it was just the fact that's what killed me the most. That's what gave mm-hmm. me so little confidence in this ref because he was like, I'm going to go to VAR for this. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, he was told to because he waved it off. Yeah. He said no pen. He was told to go to VAR. That is typically the way things are officiated. Like, it's the I same with how, like, if there's a, it's just, you know how you get like marginal offsides, the assistants will keep the flag down and let the play, the play happen. It's the same sort of thing. Like a lot of the time, I think officials in our like if in doubt, they'll let it play out, and then if you know if VAR thinks of something to check, they'll check it because they check penalty incidents. Well, they do, like, yeah. Every you don't always know they're getting checked, but they if yep. they think something's there to be checked, they'll do it. So it's kind of in the rest prerogative to let the play happen naturally, well, as see- opposed to like blowing up for something that's turns out as an actually worth blowing up for if you know oh, what I mean you see linesmen yeah. do it all the time now with offsides right mm-hmm. they let the play happen and then at the end of the play they'll throw up their flag or VAR would take a look yeah. um, linesmen was just standing there just going what am I even here for there's a big question what am I here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, there's more things I want to talk about about this game but I want your guys opinion should have been a red for the that was no. the last man back should have that been a red I, I think the double dip Please. rule becomes a problem they stopped doing double dip a yeah. couple of years ago, I believe. Yeah, so you can't give him a red and a pen. Uh, it's bullshit. I don't get me wrong. I, based yeah, on, I disagree with it. Yeah, I, but I, ne- I don't think that was a red. But I disagree with like the double I, dip. I role. think the only reason <laughs> no, why I think it was a red was would be not on the aggression, but on the penalty score, like the goal scoring opportunity. That's where I would yeah. I would say, I, like, uh, yeah, I don't think there was a goal scoring opportunity. I was about to say, really the argument, there. the argument, is, but to me, the problem is the ball was still in the air when the contact was made, so you don't know if Mount's getting out to that or not. I guess. Like there's still the, the I guess the it's, question it's mark. The, it's the goal. It is a question on the goal scoring up, and I could see it being a red, 
but I think anybody would be more happy. I mean, not now knowing how Kane fucked it, but, you know, getting that penalty, I think, was probably more important than them getting that red. So it was a scenario yeah, I mean, where the final call the red. Was, they did ask for it. Bellingham yeah. was at the ref saying, what the fuck? Um, I think a yellow was given. I think a yeah, yellow was yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can talk about Kane. Um, I was watching this game. Uh, by myself, and I'm just saying they're saying to myself, don't give it the cane, don't give it the cane, don't give it the cane, and he steps up, and I'm like, okay, I don't want this to be cane, but at the same time, if there's anyone you choose, it's cane, right? But then I thought, he just scored. Lloris knows where he could be going. Lloris knows Kane better than anyone else yep. on that field. What the fuck is Kane taking two in a row for? And like, I, I just don't get it. Like, to me, in my mind, I was thinking, bring on Rashford. But then again, do you put a sub on for the pen? So I'm like, no, you don't. So you give this to um, uh, uh, give this to Saka. I think was still on or um. No, Saka had come off by Saka that. Saka was infamously no, off of this. Saka point. was off. <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck was it? But you could have gave it to um, Mount. Either way, uh, you could have gave there it was to other Sterling. Players, yeah. I, I would have taken Sterling, either yeah. one of those over. There was other players. Um, and I, again, you don't blame Kane for taking it, but. He was so focused on one thing, and the pressure was on Kane to score that. In the last 10 minutes, you have a pen to tie it. You just scored on a pen. It was just not the stars aligning, and I don't think any England fan really thought he was going to score that. I, no. I don't think I can tell you right now, I was, so. I was watching it with uh, a buddy of mine, John, who's basically a brother. As soon as, as soon as Kane was stepping up, he went. he walked off. He walked off to his room. He's like, I know exactly what's going to happen. I know, I know how it's gonna be. So he put he put 15 minutes on in a video. Just sat down, couldn't watch the rest. He's like, he's like, I know exactly how this is gonna fucking go. I know yeah. exactly how this is gonna go. Yeah, yeah it, was un- uh, it, was, it was unfortunate, but and again, like I don't think Southgate even made a sub until that second goal went in at like the 80th minute, which I don't understand as well. Like, I don't understand is, how the when it comes fuck, to subs, he's useless. How the he's never fuck made a good sub. You bring in my on life. Jack Grealish <laughs> in the 98th that minute. That was weird too. Can, can I defend that one in the sense that um, John Stones had to go off injured, so he got to put on just a body at that point? But what did but, he not, or did he? He, he, yeah, did, he did. Yeah, John Stones had to get had to get but, taken okay, off yeah, injured. So you day, got to put someone. I kind of forgot that Grealish was fucking even available, and you waited until the ninety eighth minute <laughs> to weird. put on an attacker. Um, I think a lot of people do question Southgate a lot, and um, especially like to me I, I've defended him through uh, a lot um, I stopped recently but I did used to defend him a lot but I always criticize him for his subs his timing of subs subbing when you're like what the fuck are you doing I once saw us losing and he took off a striker from Maguire while we were losing in like the last 10 minutes it's like what the fuck are you doing like he, he, I don't know I don't think Maguire, uh, Southgate sticks around much longer especially after this one um, I think once you go to a World Cup semis and you, then you go to Euro finals, I think he had to do it again, and he didn't. Because you can say you can put the argument, mm-hmm. "Oh, well, you lost to France. You know, France is the best team in the world." Yeah, but you know what? We're supposed to be the one of the best teams in the world. We have to prove that eventually. Losing the bigger teams is not an excuse anymore. You have to win those. Yeah, yeah. I, so I, to I, me, Saka must go. Sorry. Um. Okay, my time. Okay. <laughs> so, and I moving on, we're going to go to a break. No. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, if England would have won this game, they would have won the World Cup. They played fantastically in this game. Saka was fantastic. Bellingham was fantastic too. I thought very good performances all round. And France were there for the taking. France were there to beat. And Papi was pocketed. Kyle Walker did a fantastic job. England's midfield was better. They were given France problems. And they shit the bed. 
and uh, they could they absolutely shit the bed like you said um like this is the best England team I've seen my whole lifetime there is genuine nerves when I watch them I watched a lot of this game with France and England basically white I was basically my face had gone completely white because it looked inevitable that England were going to score and I'm thinking they're right they've got to play a Moroccan team that's played basically two very very extreme games half their team's injured at this point like this is this is this is going to go one way isn't it but they fucked it and um, so um like I think they've got a good future ahead of them the in my head they're probably the favorites for Euro 2024 but yeah. they're gonna fuck that as well um will they keep Southgate or not I personally I personally think they should you know, they um they all have a great time on those um little lilos. They can um bring Harry Maguire along and have a good time with him. They can you know, I mean England's best penalty taker is back in England right now, but you know, that's 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 fine. That's that didn't, that's not gonna come back to haunt me anyway, it didn't come out to haunt them anyway, I think. To be fair, <laughs> um, can I keep, can I keep going? Maguire had a great tournament, yeah, but like he I just don't understand. He's an enigma. I don't know what happens. Maybe if you take Southgate out, he just reverts back to his Man United form. Um, yeah, England, well, this one will be ruining this one because England should have won this and they should have won this World Cup as a result, I think. Which, for me, makes it sweeter. I can relax now. Um, if, for those who, you know, have, um, accent problems, which I know is a few of you, people think I'm Australian at times, so it works. <laughs> so I, I am Scottish, so, um, this is the part of the World Cup where I get to relax. Also, stop thinking I'm Australian to go on a tangent. <laughs> so, well, with that breaking news that Paul is in fact Australian, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. And when we come back, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the semifinals coming up. So don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone. Paul here from FC 13 podcast. As you're aware, this is a highly controversial World Cup. The stadiums and infrastructure built for the tournament have been built off the back of poorly treated migrant workers who have been subjected to abhorrent working and living conditions, effectively rendering many of them as slaves of the Qatari state. These conditions have also tragically led to the deaths of thousands of migrant workers. We may never know the true amount of lives lost as the Qatari regime denies this is happening. MigrantRights.org is a Gulf Cooperation Council-based advocacy group that aims to advance the rights of migrant workers, including migrant workers in Qatar. Through the online platform, on-the-ground projects and grassroots initiatives, MigrantRights.org works to document migrant narratives, ignite local discussion and encourage changing attitudes and practices towards migrant workers. We encourage you to visit their website at migrant-rights.org Educate yourself about working conditions in the GCC, and if you feel inclined, donate to their cause. Anything you can afford to donate will help the fight to improve working conditions for thousands of migrant workers and would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for listening, and now, back to the show. And thanks so much, guys. Welcome back to the FC13 podcast. Again... Those are the quarterfinals. It's left us now with sort of the tail of the tape. We have our semis coming up. Unfortunately, it's a Tuesday and Wednesday game, which really fucking sucks because it's middle of the day. Everyone's going to be working. Thanks, FIFA. Great. I'm off Wednesday. Woo. 
Great job, FIFA. Thanks. But coming up, we have Argentina versus Croatia on Tuesday, and we have France versus Morocco on Wednesday. These are our semifinal matchups. How are we feeling for the Argentina-Croatia game? Obviously, we know where my bias sits, but we know how Croatia are, and we know that they're both very interesting teams in penalties. So what do we make of it? I have this like suspicious feeling that like I could see Croatia doing this. Uh, I, <laughs> I guess that's not too surprising because like I have kind of gone to bat for Croatia quite a few quite a few times in this podcast. But like, well, we'll take it back four years for a start. Like Croatia beats Argentina. I know it's a different Argentina team, but they beat Argentina three 0 There isn't really the same fear factor there playing Argentina as there is Brazil. Maybe there should be. But mentally, there's not as much of a fear factor there, I don't think. And especially knowing that Croatia can do it. They, their midfield, you know, as much as it's being criticised for being old, I think I think old is the wrong word. I think the correct way to describe Croatia's midfield is experienced. Like, and when old, they're at yeah. their best, they are completely <laughs> a completely dominant force. Modric, I'm convinced he's not 37. He's, like, doing the opposite of what, like, uh, that thing where... You know, like you got like Nigerian players like Yakub, like um, Yakubu and stuff. Um, apologies, he's not Nigerian. <laughs> like doing that thing where they fake their ages to make themselves look younger than they were. I'm convinced Modric is doing the opposite or something. But um, I, I think uh, Croatia can get control of that midfield with those bodies they have. Importantly, cut out the cut out the ball to Messi. I think they have what it, I think they can hurt this Argentina team, and I think it's, it's impossible to ignore the sort of like. Like, it's a good thing or a bad thing, the sort of feeling of destiny about Argentina. You know, it's Messi's last ride, and you can see whenever they play, it's just how much every goal and every win means to them. Like, this feels like a now or never for them. Mm-hmm. Like, if things start to go bad, like, they, you can see things getting really desperate for them, whereas I think Croatia are a very streetwise team. If things go rocky for Croatia, I have confidence in them, like, being able to ride it out. If things go rocky for Argentina... I'm not entirely sure they're able to do that. Now, are Argentina favourites? Yeah, I would, I would say so, and I think that's the deserved tag. But if Croatia win, I don't think it's going to be too much of a shock. I just personally can't have another fucking repeat of the 2018 World Cup final. I just <laughs> so don't. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to see it again. I don't want. No, but I, I do think you're you're right in that Croatia have that technical ability. But I think that Argentina now are not playing in that same rely on Messi, rely on Di Maria, and rely on just sprinting through 30 people. You know, I've seen their their passes and their plays are a lot more, you know, Messi knows to get rid of the ball quick because he's able to take three defenders away from their job by just even having it. As soon as he touches it, three defenders are now on him, and that gives so much more space, and that's what we've been seeing happen. Uh, so I'm I'm on the same track as Paul here. I, I do think Argentina will win. Uh, I am rooting for Croatia. Uh, and I won't be surprised to see Croatia do it. The, the, the way they've played, they're so complete in the midfield. They're Defensively, they've been pretty solid. I, I, I do have Argentina. I think Argentina will pull through. It might be extra time. It might be pens. Uh, but, I mean, again, it could be the fashion. If, if Croatia gets another late one, they will have that momentum again. But And we showed that's fucking possible <laughs> against Argentina, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> so I, I am going to go with Argentina, <laughs> but I uh, I won't be surprised whatsoever to see Croatia do it. Um, and I'm rooting for them. Guns my head, Croatia. 
Well, yeah. well, instead of gun to your head, because that defeats the point, you're just going to say what you want anyways. <laughs> um, what what are, what are we saying? What are we predicting for scores? Because we knew, obviously, I we know who I want, who we think. So, what, Paul, what are you thinking for a scoreline? If Croatia to win, I don't think they're a necessarily high-scoring team, despite what they're able to do against Canada. Yeah. I think if they're going to beat Argentina, it's going to be by a small margin. I, I, you're tempted to say it's going to be penalties again, but like, surely Croatia can't win like that many penalty shooters in such a short space of time in a row. Like the the laws of averages say that simply cannot happen. I'm, yeah. going, I'm going back to 2018 as well, so I'm thinking Croatia are going to win this in normal time, two one. I'm going to go and say Messi scores very early on because both teams want that first goal, so it's going to open up the field. But once uh, Messi puts it in, both teams are going to shut the fuck down because Croatia's going to look for the goal, but they don't want to give up another one. And Argentina mm-hmm. know what Croatia could do, and they're going to do everything they can to keep them out of the box. one nothing Argentina with a Messi early goal. I'm going to go 2-1 for Argentina. I think they're going to go up early again. I don't think it's going to be from Messi, but I think it'll be maybe um, from Martinez or from Alvarez. And Messi will, will be a part of it. Like, he'll be an assist, but I think it's going to be a long-ass, drawn-out game. And then we're going to have another goal from Argentina and a very late goal from Croatia to tie it back up. Like, that's kind of where my thought is, is that it's not going to be a free-flowing, but I just don't think Argentina are going to sit back like they did against the Netherlands for those 30 minutes because they they had to have learned their lesson. That's what I've noticed with Argentina, at least. They're going each game. They're kind of taking it as oh, fuck, well, this is what happened last game. Let's adjust and let's let's fix yeah, what's going they're, on. They're doing what World Cup winning teams do where they grow into a tournament. Yeah. I think what's a pity to me is that we don't get a messy Modric final. Like, we can't have that. But I think it's it's good to see them in the semis together. Like, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely, I am happy for Croatia getting there. Fuck them for beating Canada. But I am happy that they've got there and I... I just think that it could be just Argentina's destiny in this regard. I think against a bigger team, if another team had gotten through, it wasn't like Brazil, I think they might have slipped up and the pressure might have got to them. But I think in this case, they've got this. This is how it's going to be. So moving on, we have the Colony Derby. Um, we have France. Again. <laughs> and then the country that France did a bunch of fucked up shit to, Morocco. <laughs> uh, my favorite part about all that narrative was that people just forgot that Morocco colonized Spain and Portugal first. <laughs> um, I think. Look it up, boys and girls. <laughs> um, this game, I think, is going to be a good one. I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, I think Morocco will surprise people when they're not with a win. I think they'll surprise people on how well they play against France. Because, again, you asked me, France is the best team in the world, I think. Uh, and I, I, I hate to say it, I really do. But I do also love him, Poppy. I think he'll get his golden boot this year as well. Um, th- those this team's go- it's gonna be a good game, but and it's one I'm very excited to watch. And I I really am rooting for Morocco. I want everyone in the world who's not if you're not connected to one of the three other teams in any way, you better be cheering for Morocco because it's great for the World Cup. It's great for Africa. It's great for Morocco. Can we finally get this trophy outside of Europe or South America? Probably not. Well, I'd love to see it happen. Um, so I am rooting for Morocco. I think France is going. I think Morocco is going to be in the game, but I think we'll see almost like a Croatia Canada situation. It'll be tight till the end when Morocco need that goal and France will pump in maybe 
one or two extra goals. Um, I, yeah, not much to say. I think France is going to win it, but I really hope they yeah. fuck it up somewhere. Along those lines, I think this is either going to be a really, really heartbreaking loss for Morocco or a complete landslide. Which, um, like, what we've talked about before, like this Moroccan team, they've done utterly fantastic, better than anyone would thought. It's been, it has been a privilege to watch this Morocco team and what they've done for African football. And not just in the fact they're here, mm-hmm. it's in the way they've done it. You know, they've, there's a lot of horrible stereotypes when it comes to, like, sort of, um, you know, how people understand the game in lesser developed nations. But so, like, the way Morocco have done it as well, they've been so tactically fantastic. You know, they've been really in that, really in depth in that sort of thing. They know exactly what they're doing. Incredibly well drilled in everything they do. Incredibly organized. It's been fantastic to watch. And they've been, like, fantastic, um, representatives of African and Arab football. That being said, they've put so much into this at this point. Like you can tell, just how taxing those games against Spain and Portugal were. Like they needed every single last decibel from the crowd in those games. Players are falling left, right, and center, but trying to get back in there. Admirable, but like sooner or later, these legs are just going to fall yeah. apart, aren't they? And I'm worried this game is going to be one. I think this game is going to be one game too far for this Moroccan team against this. If you contain Mbappe, you've still got Dembele. And if you contain those two, you've still got Griezmann. You can't contain them all. Griezmann's not scored. He's kind of been almost like the, mm-hmm. the Giroud of this World the 2018 Giroud of this World Cup so far. And the fact that like he's contributed so much, but he's not scored. He's kind of gone under the radar. He's been... Mbappe's got all the stats, but Griezmann's probably been France's best player in terms of what he's been able to do as a team. Mm-hmm. And I think between Mbappe, Dembele and Griezmann, they will be able to get to penetrate this Moroccan defence. It's just a case of how early they do it. They do it early on. This game's going to... I think France can win this one easily. If it... Uh, failing that, I think you could be looking at maybe like it takes like the 80th minute or something. If Morocco score, like, game on. Like, we've seen how they've just been able to like... Sneak in. Completely... Yeah, completely shut everything down. Like, they didn't even concede that many high-quality chances against Spain and Portugal. It'll be interesting to see Morocco score. I think that could be a real... But it's obvious to say it's a game changer. Just scoring the size, but yeah. in the same sense, I don't really see them being able to... I don't think they're going to be able to score against France just because France are so dominating and I don't think they'll make the same mistakes that um, Portugal in particular made. I just... I, I, I want to say Morocco, I really do, but... It's got to well, be France. If Morocco watch our England game, they know just to get into the box and France will give you possible it'll give you opportunities. <laughs> yeah, and it'll all depend on what they, they do with them. But I, I got to re- gotta point out too that France has already lost to an African team and they've lost to a team that geographically play very similar in Tunisia. Like they've they've been kind of struggling each game going forward. Uh-huh. Yeah, but there, there was a lot of difference in that game though. I was going to say, yeah, there's quite a few discrepancies in that Starting one. 11, Tunisia was fighting for their life, right? France didn't have a bone in that fucking leg, you know, a bone in that game, play you know, the, honestly. Played the C team. Yeah. yeah, but at the end of the day, the thing is, is that they're going to know how they play one way or another. You only have so many players. They really, really stepped up heavily, smashed Australia, kind of struggled a little bit against Denmark, but then Poland was very, very handed and then really struggled against England. It's a scenario that I think they're also getting burnt out and they're starting to feel it because your A team is your A team, that's sure, but that A team also has to play every fucking single minute. 
Yeah, but they still have a deeper bench than Morocco at the end of the day. They do, but... That's, I think, the key part. Like, France can fix their holes much easier than Morocco can. But also, like I said, the best part is, is you're going up against the world champions who have all the pressure on their back, and then a team that's literally swinging for the fences. So I just think it might be a scenario of play that will work in Morocco's favor. And I think we might actually see another upset. I, I think that France's game against England showed that they can be picked apart and you can shut down their players. You just have to know how to. So So what's your, what's your score line then, Andre? I'm thinking probably another 1-0 Morocco. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I want you to be right. I am begging for you to be right. So um, who do you think is going to win the World Cup then between these four teams then? Hold up. Let me see my scoreline from Morocco. Do you not say it No, yet? he hasn't said it yet. You haven't said it either. No, you didn't. What the fuck? Yeah. I said it without saying it. Uh, that's what, <laughs> that's the go, whole uh, podcast point. We're saying it all. <laughs> I'm going to go 3-0 uh, France, but two of those goals are going to come in like the last 10, 15 minutes. I am going to go 4-0 France. Beauty. Okay. Beauty. Similar, similar. So that is our predictions, guys, for the semis. For both games, obviously make sure to head over to Bet99 use 13th Man Sports 1 if you want to play something like that and take our suggestions. I don't recommend it. Based on our prediction episode, you can go back and listen to that. Please don't take our words for any sort of actual legitimate... We're, we're a fantastic advert for not betting. Yeah, we are, yeah. We are all walking. But, I mean, if you're better, feel free to share some of that money. But with that being said, you're Paul, you're right on who is going to come ahead and take it. This was a biased standpoint, and now it's legitimate. I genuinely feel that Argentina do have the chance this year to finally walk away with that trophy. I think they do have a chance, but I am giving it back to France, back-to-back for the first time since, what, 60... 62. 62 when Brazil did it. I'm going to give it to... Uh, uh, and I, 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 as much as I hate to see it, I'd also like to see it because of Mbappe. Again, I'm a big fan of his. For him to be, what, 22 years old, to come out with two World Cups, a possible golden boot, the guy's a fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I I don't really mind any of these teams winning, obviously. Um, for no, like, I, would, I think if you ask me who I want to win, the answer is going to be Argentina. You want Just Argentina? Like, I'd rather Morocco. I mean, the Morocco story is great and all that, but like I've always been a Messi guy, and like I just, I really, really want to see him lift the World Cup. Like, you just want to hold out with all the Ronaldo fans' heads. That's a part I, of it. That's a huge I, part of it. But no, it's just come. Look at the two. Which one's gonna cry, and which one's gonna be a smug prick that probably takes the World Cup stuff? I, I, I would like to go on off. record. I would like to go on record as saying I don't really care about Messi versus Ronaldo. It's not my personality. I have indeed had sex before, but whatever. <laughs> like they're both good players. Don't need to rub it um, in there. Bro. I just but I just so happen to prefer Lionel Messi. And um but actually, you know what? I'm just gonna go nuts. I've gone nuts this whole World Cup. I said Serbia were gonna go really far. I said Uruguay and Denmark were gonna be a semi final. <laughs> I'm going to say Croatia are going to win the World Cup. And we now have confirmation Croatia is not winning the World Cup. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate that boost of confidence for myself. Oh, you never said that. That doesn't mean they won't be you guys. It just means they won't win in the finals. No, that still gives me a boost of confidence. It's all I want, but I don't want. I do it. want Morocco just for the the fact that, like I said, I want a I want a new World oh, Cup winner it, it, and a. Um, Croatia will be a new World Cup winner. Let me get to my point. A new World Cup winner. A new World Cup continent. So I would love to see a Morocco-Croatia final because it makes Canada look so much better. <laughs> yes, which is uh, – but even if Morocco, even if Morocco wins, it still does. 
But that's going to have to be everything for us, guys. Thank you so much for, for checking us out. We hope you liked it. Make sure to go back and listen to our predictions so you can see how close we actually were. And then we're going to have one more Lovely. recap when we, you know, we get to the finals. <laughs> Some of us like having egg on our face more than others. Some of us realize we're just hacks that like to talk about stuff. But that's going to be it for us. Make sure to check us out on FC13 Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz, especially on our YouTube channel, which we've got episodes and special episodes coming up that are only on that channel and nowhere else. Boys, where do we find you? I'm at PaulMcN1996 on Twitter. Please help me. I've got that many followers. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at McCallMeMichael on Twitter. And I'm at the Andre McRae. Again, guys, thanks so much for checking us out. Make sure to check out 13th Band Sports. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and give us a rating if you want, and you'll never miss one of our episodes. But just always remember, only if you like, only us. If you like us. If you don't like us, why are you still listening to this at this point? So remember, hate. remember, listening to the FC 13 podcast is like watching football through a microwave. Yeah.